0: Hey St. Paul, welcome to episode 13 on our study on Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Discipline. Now this is the very last chapter in Richard Foster's book, and um, so we're going to finish up the book this week. Next week, uh, Shane Green will be with us to just kind of put a recap and a summation on the entire book. I'm joined today with Tommy Bridges. Tommy, this has been an exciting road to walk down with you.
1: It certainly has, John, and I think that as we celebrate the end of these studies, uh, it only leads us to another journey. It does. Uh, And that's exciting in itself.
0: Yeah. For those who are uh, listening on our podcast, Tommy and I will regroup and come back with another study in the near future. But in the meantime, we really hope that you've enjoyed this study and certainly invite you to reach out to us if you have any questions or comments or anything you'd like to add. Certainly uh, feel free to reach out to us on our email address, podcast at Tommy, let's jump into this last chapter, The Discipline of Celebration, which I thought was a very interesting way to end the book. The title of the book is The Celebration of Discipline, and he ends the book with this discipline of celebration as a way of all of these disciplines adding up with each other to get you to the end of the journey where... There is this transformation, there is this freedom that we can live our Christian life and our walk with God with freedom in transformation,
1: uh, being transformed. Exactly, John. And I think we must remember and keep this in the forefront of our minds, you know, disciplines sometimes create a sense of negativity that, oh my gosh, I'm going to be disciplined, i got to do this, and I have to do this. But these disciplines are not that at all. They are the way that we place ourselves in a position where God can transform us into the person he created us to be. It's just such a wonderful way to look at and to unlock the doors to the inner life. Yeah, there's the, – the, we've said this before,
0: and I think we even started uh, this, this journey, this podcast, by saying that none of these get you into the door with God. None of these make a way for you to be a part of his family. I mean, that was all done with the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross, it is by his work on the cross that we have this opportunity to be a part of something bigger than us, be a part of God's family. These disciplines are a way of transforming us into this reality, this this new way of, uh, this new vantage point that we are living into this kingdom of God that is uh, so much bigger, so much grander, uh, so much more powerful, so much more broad than our kingdom. We have the ability to say, you know, it's not me who does this. The weight of the world is not on my shoulders, but God who is carrying me, God who is uh, working through me, in me, and around me by showing us, showing me this glimpse of His grace, His mercy, and His
1: steadfast love. John, unlocking the door to the end of life, why do we find that so hard to do? Because Throughout this book, throughout these 13 disciplines, we find that not only God loves us, he cares for us, and he's promised us an abundant life. And the only thing we have to do is by his grace accept that fact that he does love us and he cares for us. So we can unload those burdens of everyday life, own him, and trust him. One of the key things that Foster says in this is, obedience is the key. Yes. And you remember the old, old hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And remember in Proverbs, Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So. We must accept that fact that God loves us so much, He created us, He has a plan for us, and we must let Him, through these disciplines, put that plan in place for His glory. You know, we had a discipline of worship, and we we talked so much about, it's just not coming to St. Paul every Sunday that we worship, but we worship Him every day of our lives. Monday through Saturday, we worship Him in our own way, whether it be at a stoplight, at work, or at home, when we get up in the morning, and the joy that we have through these disciplines, through this discipline of celebration. And joy is the keynote of all these disciplines. Yeah, it becomes the result. It absolutely does. So many people
0: try to find their happiness. Some, so many people f- try to find joy. They, they seek. They try to will themselves to be happy, and and this is not what the scriptures talk about because the scriptures are full of suffering of a difficult life of that once you become a Christian, that it doesn't mean that the skies are blue and the birds are gonna sing and everything's gonna go your way. It's this belief that God has us in the palm of his hand and invites us to this place of confidence where we no longer have to trust ourselves over our trust and confidence in God. And we're able to lay those things at his feet. This is the message of the scriptures when it comes to joy. Uh, It's a result of being provided for. It's a result of belonging, a place. It's a, a result of all of this kind of working together. And when it comes to our Christian walk, it's so tightly wound to the Old Testament idea of the year of Jubilee uh, the year of Jubilee in the Old Testament was every 50th year, and during that time, the debts were canceled. There were there was the releasing of slaves, the uh, fields laid fallow for a year, property was returned. Even when Jesus came and spoke about this, the year of God's anointed or the year of, of when the Messiah would come. He closes the scrolls in Luke and he says this today has been fulfilled in your presence. And the connection is is that Jesus is that one who as we see for, through the rearview mirror that ultimately canceled our debts. It's not the debt that I might have with you or somebody else. It's it's the debt of in the in, inability to be good enough to do enough to reach God and to be a part of his family on my own. And so this joy is that I have a place, that I am provided for, that God has us in uh, his sights, that he deliberately, and I love this, intentionally reveals himself, reaches down, and makes a way. And our celebrations uh, of disciplines that Foster brings out, are just responses to that till we get to that culminating point, that climactic point where it becomes joyful living celebration of all God's done.
1: You know, we must remind ourselves this is uh, January the 22nd. About a month ago, we were singing hymns, Joy to the World, the Lord has Come. And you spoke about earlier about the birth of the Christ child. Glory to God in the highest. Yeah, the announcement of Christ to
0: the shepherds was, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, joy. that shall be for all people. The, just just the announcement of Christ coming into the world
1: was good news and great joy for all people. Right, right. I'm reminded of what St. Augustine said in the beginning of this chapter, actually. He said, the Christians should be an alleluia from head to foot. As Christians, we believe that christ died for our sins we no longer have to worry about that we have a place in eternity and if we could get up every morning and realize what a joy it is to be alive and whether it's raining outside or the sunshine it's a blessing from god it's raining today and i I bet some people get up oh my gosh it's raining I might got my hair wet today. But it's a blessing from God that it rains. The flowers certainly love it. Yeah, My yard loves it because they just fertilized it the other day. So, you know, we have to have that mindset. We have to have that attitude. We have to have that change in attitude of Christ. Everything that we enjoy in this life is a blessing. And we talked about sorrow, obviously. We have things that happen, tragic accidents, people with terminal diseases. What can we learn from that? There is there's a message somewhere in that sorrow if we only look a little bit deeper. But on the flip side of that, we live in an abundant, affluent society. And sometimes we let that control us. I remember in one of the first disciplines we talked about, We talked about the the three major forces working against us on a daily basis, and that is noise, hurry, and crowds. And as Carl Jung said, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. Again, we go back to those disciplines, the silence, the solitude, the study, the opening ourselves up to the inner life where God can transform us. And the product of that is joy and peace. What did Christ say when he left the disciples? Peace I leave to you. And the interesting thing, Tommy, is not as the world gives.
0: Peace I leave with you, but not the peace of the world. No. There's so much temptation to find our peace, our joy through the world and to find it through relationships, through things, through accomplishments and whatnot. And those are fleeting. Those actually control us in such a way that takes our eyes off the unseen realm of what God is doing in our midst. I mean, you think about where we get our strength. What motivates us to keep on going from day to day? You have examples throughout the scripture where people just wanted to give up. They have seen great works of God, but they find themselves in a place where they're in a desert. They're alone. Elijah's one in 1 Kings 19. He's running from Jezebel, and he just he gets down to Beersheba, which is the southernmost of part of Judah, and then leaves his servant there, goes out to the desert, and cries out and says, You know what, God? My ancestors, those who have come before me, they have died. Let me die with them. Twice. In repetition in verse 13 and verse 19, God speaks to him and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? What's interesting about that is God doesn't say, What are you doing there? as if he's standing far away. He says, What are you doing here? I mean, I'm here, you're here, what are you doing here? And the invitation that God was giving Elijah one more time was with gentleness, with patience, with such mercy was, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. Even in in the joy and the successes of Mount Carmel or the widow's son, I'm with you. And you can rest assured that your joy does not come from those events of success And your joy is not extinguished by those threats against your life. It's me. I got you. When Elijah finds himself in a place where he is out of strength, depressed, despondent, wanting to give up, God says, no, 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 no. You you don't get your strength from life. Your strength comes from me. As Nehemiah wrote, The joy of the Lord is our strength. And so all these disciplines can look like a daunting task. We look at them and we'll say, oh my gosh, that's so much to do. Look, it's not set out and laid before you as, and Foster says this in the beginning of his book, they're not set out and laid before you as something you have to do totally at one time. Just pick and choose a couple. And I promise you... The fellowship of the Holy Spirit alongside of you will remind you that you are His and you will start to see strength. You will start to see the joy of the Lord and you will be able to live into the discipline of this celebration, but joy only comes from God. And our act in
1: acknowledging that joy that He has is Tommy, as you said, obedience. You touched on something there. And when you said the presence of God, as Brother Lawrence says, is with us in every moment of our lives, and all we have to do is call out to him, God, guide me, help me. What's the answer to this problem? And he might not answer it the exact moment you want him to, but you've got a 24-7 hotline to him. And if you can just turn it over to him and let him handle it, He's asking us to bring all our cares and all our burdens to him. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said that. And what did he say in Matthew about worry? Don't do it. And don't do it. And Can it add one minute to your life by worrying? But what are we consumed in in our society? Anxiety, worry. Anxiety, worry. Instead of looking horizontally for a solution to our issues, why don't we look vertically to the only one that can solve them? And if we can ever unlock that door, and as Jesus said in Revelations, I knock it, I stand at the door and knock, and if you open it, I will come in. That's all he's asking us. We don't have to go to some divinity school to learn that that's what you and shane do (laughs) and thank god for y'all but we as human beings created in the image of god that's the only thing we have to do change our mindset and our way of thinking about things and don't follow the herd of the world world and how we handle things we are in the world But we don't have to be off the world. And I'll go back to our favorite guy, Paul, in Romans. Renew your mind. Put on the the attitude of Christ. And let him be the CEO of your life. Not you. Because we're not smarter than him. And he's got a path that's better than ours. And if if we can come to the realization and accept the fact and turn it over to him and totally surrender our lives to him and let him guide us, then that joy will come and that anxiety will slowly, slowly, slowly slip away. And we can enjoy the abundance of life that God promises. And far as I know, I don't think he's ever not fulfilled one of his promises. No, all his promises
0: are a yes through Jesus Christ, as Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Once again, a shout out for our guy, Paul. Yeah. There's a fact that Foster brings out in this book, that transformation is accomplished through these disciplines. Now, we truly believe that Richard Foster is not the first person to talk about these disciplines. I mean, when we think about discipline, you you mentioned uh, before we started that discipline is centered around this idea of, man, I got to work hard. And I think of looking at my children, they think of discipline as punishment. And so it has this very dark shadow that kind of falls upon uh, itself just by using that word. But keep in mind, uh, discipline is the path that we take so that we come to that point where John ten ten 10 becomes a reality that Jesus said, the devil has come to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. This life abundantly is so counterintuitive to what the world thinks life is. Life is not centered around the accolades or the accumulation or the relationships. Life is centered around obedience. Uh, walking the path of, of these disciplines. And and as I mentioned, Richard Foster is not the one who started this. I mean, you can go back to what Jesus said. If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself each day. In the word deny, you are seeing in of itself what it means to walk through the, the path of discipline, to deny yourself, to pick up your cross, and then start walking. There's this action. Two decisive decisions that we make deny ourselves, we're going to pick up our cross, and then an action walk. I think of my relationship with my wife. We started dating, I think it was 1990 in September, and we were engaged the following February, and we were married uh, 18 or 14 months after that in May. And once we got married, Now she loved me. She accepted me. I loved her. I accepted her. The relationship was there, but there were some disciplines. I had to put the cap back on the toothpaste. I had to pick (laughs) up my laundry. I had to put dirty dishes in the sink. Okay. Those, even if I didn't want to, those were disciplines that I had to do. And I wore to why. Well, because I love her and she loves me and, and I want to do those things. But it sure did make life a lot easier for me in our relationship if I was considerate enough to step into the things that denied what I wanted to do right then. Oh, I don't want to pick up my dirty laundry. I want to do this. There's a denial of self. This is the same, I think, in some small sense of what these disciplines are. The disciplines that Foster brings out come to this culmination at this last chapter that ultimately it is a celebration. There is this celebration that joy comes when the ordinary, the common ventures of life are redeemed, are redeemed by God. This year of Jubilee every morning, the book of Lamentations 3, uh, great is thy faithfulness. Mercies, what are new every morning, new every morning. It's not that they are recreated. It is that, that you see them fresh every morning. So what would it be like if one of the disciplines or a couple of the disciplines, or we just started to zero in our attention and our spiritual walk that God has mercy, grace, and he is faithful. And to see that as fresh every morning, what difference would that make in
1: our lives? A lot. And what if we, every morning, if we would ask ourselves this question, how would I feel if I knew everything in my life is working out for my good by God? Because it is. I I go back to the to the uh, Israelites coming out of slavery from Egypt. God heard their cry. He sent Moses and Aaron to deal with Pharaoh and to get them out. So they were liberated from the bondage. But what happened? They were released and they continued to complain. And, And we saw that Moses at Mount Sinai, he gets the covenant with God, the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are kind of like the disciplines. They're not to make us, oh, gosh, i got to do this and i got to do that. Those are things that if we abide by the Ten Commandments, life would be easy. We wouldn't have the heartache that if we violated some of these commandments in our daily lives, life would be joy and full of happiness and peace. That's why he gave it to us as a roadmap to follow. But they didn't, and you see what happened. As we go through the whole litany of the, the kings in the Old Testament and, and the idolatry and the apostasy that took place and then the eventual dividing of the kingdom, the uh, Assyrians coming, the Babylonians coming into captivity. And that was their choice, and it's our choice too. Do we remain in bondage to ourselves and our self-interest Or do we release that and take the the burden off of our back and let God handle that and let him guide us along the path to peace and joy and a life full of abundance? And that's all we have to do. Moses
0: tells the Israelites coming out of Egypt, and they see the the Egyptians coming after them. And he tells the Israelites, uh, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Notice he didn't say, you got to do this. You got to do this. Just, just stop. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to
1: be silent. I love that. No. Wow. I love that. And guess what? Silence is one of the disciplines. It is. It is very much so. But, you know, while this study was absolutely a wonderful experience for me because it allowed me to dig deeper, to examine my life and my spiritual growth, I look forward to continuing on that. This is not the end. This is actually the beginning to allow God to do His work. And it's baby steps. You know, Christ always talked about the childlike attitude, the complete trust, and that's what we have to do. We don't have the solution to all the problems. He does, though. Take those baby steps, and the next thing you know, you're running with uh, with a smile on your face, and no matter what happens, you know that God is there. He's not going to leave us. He's with us in every circumstance that we face. I want to end with um A quote from C.S.
0: Lewis in Mere Christianity. I think this kind of brings this all together, especially on the discipline of celebration, which is the culmination of all these other disciplines. C.S. Lewis writes, good things as well as bad, you know, they are caught by a kind of infection. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. And then he continues. If you want joy power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, just hand out to anyone. They are a great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. That is a beautiful summation of getting close to, Getting into God and realizing that he has formed you and created you wonderfully, he knit you together and he has called you and redeemed you and released you of your spiritual debt to him. Think about the implications of that and what would be different in your life just over the next three or four days. If you lived into one of these disciplines, lived into getting close to God, who becomes the source of the power, the joy, the peace, the eternal life. And stop seeking that joy, that power, that peace, that eternal life in the world around us. Tommy, thank you for being on this journey. Next week, friends, we'll have uh, Shane Green with us. We'll put a a bow on this, this study. And, uh, and then in the weeks to come, uh, Tommy and I will be back to start a new study that certainly will build upon the foundation of Richard Foster's book. May God hold you in the palm of his hand and remind you that you are his and he is yours. God bless.